Good Monday morning. Welcome to Connect. This is Dustin Hobbs with the California Mortgage Bankers Association. Uh, Connect is our weekly video podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. We've got a great guest today. I'm excited to get into the conversation with her in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, uh, we've got a, a sponsor message from our friends at Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, contact strategies, lead management, referral, and realtor partners, and reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail, and phone calls. It's all pre-built with the strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. Incelerate integrates with the software that's already powering your business today and into the future. In addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy even the most closely regulated businesses, which includes banks with mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information or to check out a demo, visit Incelerate.com or you can contact the company at their phone number listed in the description below. All right, well, uh, before we get started with our conversation with today's guest, I wanna make sure and toss it to Susan Malazzo, the uh, CEO here at the California MBA for this week's weekly video update. Susan? Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA here with your weekly video update. This week, I'd like to talk with you about the Mortgage Innovators Conference. We've made it free for lenders to participate this year, but we're adding a new incentive. If you register, if any of you register before July 31st, you'll be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card that is sponsored by Incelerate. So visit our website, cmba.com, register for the Mortgage Innovators Conference, and maybe you will be our lucky winner. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, Susan. And now for our uh, the main uh, main thrust of our conversation today. So I'm really excited to uh, dive into uh, a conversation today with Terry Schmidt. Terry is the uh, president of Guild Mortgage, one of the nation's largest uh, lender servicers and uh, largest IMBs in the country, one of the best uh, known companies in the country. Uh, Terry's been a good friend of the California MBA for a long time. She served on our board at times and I've been really involved in our advocacy efforts and just you know, everything California out here. She's, uh, I think, I believe, a native of California, and certainly the company, you know, headquartered out here in San Diego, right in our backyard. It's been a good friend of the California MBA for a number of years. So, welcome, Terry. Thanks, Dustin. I I never thought of myself as a mover and a shaker, but I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you are now because I've said it. Um, so let's uh, let's start at the beginning here. I'm curious, uh, what was your journey? Um, what, what was your you know your path from where you started in the in the uh, business and and how you got to uh, where you're at now at the uh, sort of the top of the leadership here at Guild? Well, I have been at Guild for 35 years, which is extremely you know unusual. And being in San Diego, um, got in the business in 1985. Um, I was just out of college. And I, my background is I've got an accounting background. Um, I was going to go into public accounting and I just love this business and I, and I stayed there. And um, Guild, my, my foundation is in San Diego, my family's there. And so I didn't want to leave the area. Um, and Guild was, there weren't very many companies left in San Diego um, for a period of time. So I just stayed along at Guild and, and, and we, you know, we just kept um, building the company. The company was founded by um, one, one man, Martin Gleis. He was a developer. 
and we're celebrating our 60th anniversary at Guild, August 10th for Guild for the company, which is pretty cool. Um, and he was a uh, first-time home buy buyer, first-time uh, builder for, for first-time home buyers. And so he actually started the mortgage company to um, assist with the, the financing for these homeowners. And so we've kind of um, kept that legacy going. Um, he stopped building in the 70s and kept the mortgage company going. And in 2007, he actually decided to retire, sell the company. And we did a management buyout in 2007. And at that point, we were still pretty small company. We had a billion in, in origination volume average for the year and two billion in servicing. And today we are going to close over 30 billion in loan originations and 60 billion in servicing is where we're, we'll end up this year. So it's quite a, quite a Cinderella story and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys have definitely, it's been amazing just, you know, uh, from since I've been here, you guys have just grown, you know, enormously in that time. And I've uh, been one of those companies that even, you know, through the financial crisis, you guys were solid. I mean, it was one of those things where you could really tell what companies were sort of doing things right and which uh, which companies weren't. And you guys, certainly the way you came through the financial crisis and out of that, I think that really was a good testament to the leadership you guys had. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, on uh, when it comes to your background, you've got one of the more unique backgrounds, I think, as, uh, you know, someone leading a mortgage company these days. So many of the people I talk to, you know, you know, specifically on this podcast that are, uh, you know, CEO, president level uh, folks at mortgage companies, they almost universally started out as originators. You started out on sort of the opposite end of the business. How was that? How has that changed your the way you approach leadership and just, you know, that different perspective you've got? I, I think as I grew up in the business that the, the business became a lot more complicated and um, the transactions uh, what you needed to, uh, as far as investors, financing, um, you know, raising capital. So I think over time, um, the need to have that financial uh, background became a lot more important to the industry. And we had a, you know, when we did the management buyout, we had a great platform. We had a great fulfillment, great operations, because that's our background. Marianne, the CEO, and myself, it's our background. And the sales side of the business was, was something that we needed more leadership. And so I think for Guild, having that combination of we, we, we filled in the gaps on our sales leadership, the sales leadership and, and the financial um leadership that we have as well as fulfillment all those three really need to to work really well to be successful in this business so you know that's that's um i think that's really helped us yeah i can see how yeah especially as you mentioned it was things that have gotten not not less complicated and far more complicated even just in the short time i've been uh, uh observing um, so let's uh, you know sort of fast forward to uh, today's world. How is the company sort of adapting to the COVID-19 crisis, both maybe internally and with your you know interactions with uh, customers? Well, first of all, the safety of our employees and customers is always first. And so right away, we um, went to a remote environment, and you know we we 
follow the CDC guidance, all the state guidance, federal guidance, local, you know, local guidance, and and we've continued to do that. Even though we're an essential business, our our all of our offices are open, but 95% of our employees are working from home and still working from home. And and we're really pretty much um, that's status quo for now until we this thing has been settled settled down. We think it's going to go into you know first quarter of next year certainly, and and so we were fortunate enough to where we have the technology to be able to migrate to that really really quickly, um, and and so we have not missed a beat. And I think the big thing is communication, over communicate. I mean we have over communicated in so many different ways, and you know we've got constantly uh, we. Well, initially when all this happened, we had daily executive calls and 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 we're just like just like I'm seeing you today, everybody was on video conferencing, worked really well. And um, so we had calls every day, then now they're every week. Um, we've got town halls with all of our um, our entire company where they can ask us questions, we answer whatever we can and get back to them with anything that we have to follow up on. Um, we did our first our first virtual sales rally and and pulled it off went great got great feedback so i think the key is just to make sure that everybody's really staying engaged and and you can keep keep the communication lines open and we're doing surveys and our engagement with our employees is actually even better than it was before all this which is pretty incredible and i've heard that from other lenders as well um, on the customer side you know, same thing, we've got the technology to work remotely and communicate with our customers. Um, and the um, e-close, we have fully a full e-close solution from start to finish. And I think had we not gone through this, it would still, we'd still be working on it. And, and we've helped some customers that, you know, had COVID that couldn't leave their home and we were able to do their transaction for them. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, I have to imagine that, especially the e-close, that's gotta be a big uh, advantage for you guys going forward. You know, you know, once the pandemic passes, I mean, still just dealing with borrowers that are remote or you know, uh, military families overseas, that sort of thing. I mean, that's gotta be a, a big advantage for you guys to be able to do that now uh, fully online. Definitely, super excited about that. Yeah, so a question for you. Uh, talking, speaking about originations, um, you guys are not only one of the bigger uh, originators in the country, but one of the largest servicers at this point. Um, what's what's that pressure like right now on sort of on both sides of uh, of the uh, business there on the origination side and the servicing side? How is the pressure different, the same? You know, what uh, what's sort of the the temperature around the office there? Well, the pressures. There's pressure on both sides, of course. They're just a, they're just different, right? Um, on the origination side, you've got we are doing volumes that we never ever thought that we would be doing, and our volume, like everybody else's, our volume's up 50% for the year, and we're going to break records. We're breaking records every single month, and it's just keeping everybody um, just they're so busy they, they don't have time to breathe and and you know trying to serve all these customers making sure they their transactions get taken care of um it's just the capacity issue all around it's capacity with fulfillment with 
financing and and what have you it so it's that part of it it's it's a good problem to have and you know everybody's loving it but you know everybody's everybody's really tapped out um and then on the servicing side you know the issues are completely different i mean we're dealing in an environment with this forbearance that you know we we've never been in this world before and um thanks to you know the government responding so quickly and getting involved um i think we're we're settled in a bit but um you know it's like having to help these customers getting technology up to speed fast enough to where you can support the the level of you know call activity and and guidance that you have to give these um customers it has been challenging and and we're 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 doing well but um but you know we don't know what we don't know i mean it you know how is this how are these customers all going to come out of forbearance there's going to be different options and so it's going to it's it's definitely challenging and staffing up you know for call volume etc you know it it's a lot and then the liquidity needs for for all this has been um you know that's challenging we spent two months just getting a model together just to understand what we think you know best case scenario base case scenario worst case scenario and what does that look like with our liquidity needs and you know we feel like we've got it all under control it looks good um but um it's the unknown sure sure absolutely well in particular like you said people coming out of forbearance i mean i i haven't really heard you know too many people talk about that but i think you're right that is a huge concern um not just everyone going into forbearance but then what happens at the end what does that look like um, and preparing for it right i mean right, right. you got to make plans mm -hmm. now for sure um so looking ahead maybe at the uh you know uh, the recovery in general, the economic recovery. What what's your sense right now on? And obviously things are changing, you know, minute by minute and day by day right now. But what's your sense on what uh, shape the recovery will take, or what it will look like, and even maybe the housing and, and mortgage market in general. What uh, uh, or specifically, what uh, what's your sense on what things are going to look like going forward? Well, we think that with the forbearance as a servicer, that this is going to go through 2022 before we get through that whole process. But I do think that the, the silver lining is that this uh, pandemic did not start in the mortgage business like the Great Recession did. It, you know, we're in a different, such a much better place. Um, we've got, it, customers have more equity in their house than they've ever had. And, you know, the credit quality of the customer is way better than it was way back in you know 2007 timeframe. So I think we're in we're on solid footing in the industry and with the um the shortage of inventory out there it's really keeping this the sales prices steady and I don't see that that's going to change in the near future. So I think the mortgage market is in you know in a great position right now to get through this but um it it's just the forbearance piece and how that kind of plays out through 2022 and how that impacts servicers um, and the customer. But, um, but I think I think everybody's going to be okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Again, the forbearance, I think so much is going to hinge on that and what that looks like and how long that takes, if there's more government action that extends it at some point or you know something along those lines. 
Um, so uh, I'm curious, you kind of hinted at uh, the the improvements that you guys have been able to make when it comes to the engagement of borrowers and the service uh, level that you can give borrowers right now. How is that? Uh, how are you guys continuing to change that and really evolve that mortgage experience and make it even better? On the servicing side, um, I you know you, you, we have to use technology. So so we're trying to um, have technology available that can drive the customer to decide um, based on um, questions and answers which direction they think they're going to be going going forward on the forbearance because really servicers right now it's just extremely difficult to be able to handle the call volume and so you've got to have a combination of some different techniques um, and we also we're, we're doing a lots of videos mm. where we're explaining you know the the process the different options so we've got you know some some different um, avenues and I think on on the origination side it's really this whole e-close that we you know we're we're working on a lot of other things behind the scenes to make to make the process the customer experience more efficient you know bots um, artificial artificial intelligence we're doing a lot of that on the back end uh, but I think the customer um, as far as what the customer sees is that that e-close has been huge that alone that alone sort of changes the game for sure yeah someone with you know four kids the idea of going and doing the closing it, you know trying to find a coffee shop right now to do a closing and what am i gonna do with the kids and, <laughs> and the idea of being able to point and click and just do it on my computer that's quite appealing right now um so let's uh let's switch gears a little bit I, i'm curious to talk more about uh sort of the corporate culture at guild i think you guys have sort of a unique culture there um and you've always uh, over the years that uh, i've known you in the company there you've always done a uh been pretty consistent in promoting women within leadership and just promoting from within i mean i'm always amazed you look at sort of the, the leadership in, at guild and it's really steady over the years the same same group of people uh have been in guild, at guild leadership for a long time so in your in your uh, uh, from your perspective, how has that made that culture unique, and what advantages maybe does it give the company? Well, I think we never saw ourselves different, being you know so um, female uh, focused at the leadership level, and um, but I do think it's helped us recruit really great, capable women. I mean, women really do gravitate towards um, female leadership. And I think that's been, you know, a big plus for us. And we have done a lot of, um, we do believe in recruiting and as well as really um, promoting from within. That's been, you know, something we've been very, very uh, um, supportive of. And we've had to fill in some some areas where we, you know, needed a little bit more leadership. So. So we've got a nice little balance right now, but um, but yeah, I think for us, we've always had this culture of listening, mm -hmm. of inclusion, and so everybody really does feel, and they do have a voice, and we want to hear, you know, what's working, what our field, corporate, you know, what works for you, what doesn't work, how can we fix it, you know, even even the technology that we develop the user community, we go down deep into the organization. It's not just that we're looking, you know, up here to say, uh, this is how we're gonna do this. This is how we're gonna build this technology. It's it's really 
let's go down to the to the ground floor and and what it, what do you what do you need what's what's working what's not working and I think that's um, so that it really permeates our entire culture and and it may, it's made a huge difference. Yeah. Well, and you know, as you mentioned the uh, uh, with the technology there, do you think that the uh, um, the town halls that you're able to do now virtually, do you think that helps uh, sort of uh, you know bring along the uh, bring out the uh, opinions and and perspectives from the employees as you're as you're sort of working through this, especially with everyone being remote? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's certainly helped. The way we kind of uh, have put that together is because we've got four thousand employees, so you know you, you can't yeah, have everybody. Yeah, at the same time, right? Yeah, that's kind of it's kind of huge. But um, we send out questionnaires and say, "What's on your mind?" And then we kind of take the top, you know, twenty. And if we if we've got you know the same question over and over again, then we'll we'll address those first. And um, and it's worked out really well. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it's kind of hard. It, it's different, I imagine, from when you first started with a smaller group where you could just all get in the same, you know, conference room at the same time and you know hash things out. Um, interesting. All right. Uh, well, I'm curious then. You know, getting back to sort of uh, um, how you guys have uh, uh, sort of set your leadership and and how you who you promoted and how you've done it. How do you think then that mortgage companies in general and maybe the industry overall can do more to promote, you know, sort of diversity in leadership? And I say diversity, I mean sort of all forms of diversity and leadership. Yeah, I, I think um, for us, our, our diversity, we've done pretty well. Our numbers look pretty good and for the industry, but I, we feel we can always do more and we can always get better. And, and so we actually have, it's a strategic initiative of ours is to really look at, you know, how, how do we go about getting into, uh, getting the right people at Guild, getting into the right markets, having the right products. I think for us being a first time home buyer um, and, and a housing, state housing agency, a promoter of that program, it's naturally been um, something that we've always gravitated towards uh, anyway, but we've um, recently announced a partnership with NAMBA and we're really um, working with NAMBA them. The, to come. the National Association of uh, Minority Mortgage Bankers. Yeah. Correct. And to really, to really put a um, strategic plan together uh, with goals for, you know, getting new talent, recruiting, existing as well as new, just new um, right out of college, uh, people right out of college to, to get into this business and making sure we've got the programs to support that and the coaching. And so we're, um, we're really excited about that. Right. Well, let's say uh, we're getting a little bit up against the clock here. So a couple more questions and then uh, we can, uh, we'll let you go. Um, as someone in the uh, sort of that the, uh, uh, president uh, president's chair, and thinking about the future, what because you've got to be obviously long term thinking more than just uh, what's going on today. Um, what what issue keeps you up at night, even maybe beyond the, uh, the the pandemic, or maybe that's the only thing that keeps you up at night these days. Well, in March, I I, I didn't get great sleep in March. <laughs> I'll have to admit that. Now I'm sleeping much better. Um, yeah, I would say that I think the mortgage industry and, and housing, I think that that's 
that's our the that's the U.S. That's our that. How, how do I say this? Um, that is the foundation of this country is housing, and I don't think that that's going to change. But I what keeps me up at night is just the the um, political environment that we're in and. The great thing about this pandemic is when both sides, both parties came together and came up with a quick solution. That was fantastic and we need to do more of that. And um, that concerns me. Uh, I would say that how the uh, GSEs get out of conservatorship and what happens there and how that impacts the, the um, industry um, keeps that that's concerning and I would say just that we can't go back to the the margins and the um, cost structure we were in 2007 because we're not the same we've got regulatory compliance um, that is it's expensive and so the the margin compression um, is always an issue that's concerning okay. we have to be aware of well, that's certainly enough to, uh, if not keep you up all night, keep you up at least maybe part of the night and, you know, <laughs> limit your sleep, I should say. Um, so uh, you mentioned politics. We'll maybe uh, close out with this question here. How crucial then would you say is the advocacy, and this is a sort of a softball question, but I'll tee it up for you. Um, how crucial is the advocacy work that groups like the California MBA and the National MBA that I know you're in, uh, uh, you work with very closely as well, how you know, how important are those uh, advocacy initiatives right now? More important than ever. I We've always um, supported, as you know, the CMBA and the MBA, been very supportive. And we have this very fragmented industry and we need to have a voice at the state and federal level. And the only way I think we can do that because we have such a fragmented industry is to have these associations to support them. And I'll have to say this, this AB 2501 that, that, you know, you guys were successful at defeating that, that came up really fast. And had we not had the CMBA really and, and the lobbyists supporting, you know, those efforts, we might be in a much different position. And, you know, the, the, um, at the federal level, the MBA, those people have worked tireless, tirelessly, huge, hugely long hours, long weekends, you know, just with these, these legislative actions that come forward so quickly, and there's unintended consequences, right? And, and they read the details, they comb through these things, and, and we need it. We would not be where we're at today had it not been for uh, the MBA and the CMBA. I can't thank you all enough for what you've done over the last four months, let alone many years. I appreciate it. Well, hey, thank you for your support, Terry. And I think you make a good point there. And particularly, you know, what you mentioned earlier in the conversation about the complexity of the uh, business now. I think when, particularly when legislators, uh, depending on, you know, how urgent a crisis is, try to craft legislation in a really fast manner, I mean, that's where you run into problems because as you, as you said, I mean, the business is so complicated right now, it's almost impossible to kind of just throw together a bill that has a big impact on a complicated industry like ours. So uh, I think you make a, a very good point there. Um, well, hey, Terry, thanks again for the conversation. Great uh, great to see you again. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in person at some point in the uh, not too distant future. 
Um, so best of luck to you and Guild uh, going forward, and we'll uh, see you soon. Thank you much. Take care. All right. Well, and if you enjoyed this conversation, make sure and uh, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel here. You can also uh, listen to our uh, weekly uh, podcast every Monday morning on uh, Spotify, on uh, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next Monday morning on Connect. Mm -hmm.